Hello, everybody. Hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Before we start, I want to remind those who would like to write to me and do not have my address yet. Here it is, uh, Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail.com. D R P E T E R R E Z N as Nancy I K at gmail.com. And also, if you want to call me during this show with your comments and or your questions, you can do this as well. The number is 888-874-4822. Um, and also, I want to make sure that you have the assignment number 11 for the WIT, Will Integration Training. It is number 11 out of 12 for those who decided to give it a try and work on strengthening your willpower. Now it's been 11 weeks that I've been giving you these assignments. So the assignment 11 is for the following week, every time as you are getting ready to speak, pause, mentally ask yourself, is it really important that I say this? And if your mental answer is yes, ask yourself the second question. What is the best and most beneficial for everyone way to say what I want to say? Only answering clearly these two questions, you proceed with speaking. I am hoping that some people are following the assignments and benefiting from them. I know uh, some people are working with them because I got one, no, two emails, but that's it. So uh, you are welcome to send me your comments. I gave you my email. And as always, I want to remind you of what we did during the last week's show on August 10th and what I intend to do next week. Last Tuesday, I interviewed an incredible, incredible man. Dr. Joel Wallach, pioneer in biochemical research and a 1991 Nobel, uh, nominee for Nobel Prize in Medicine. Dr. Wallach spoke about the importance of the 90 essential minerals to the normal functioning of our body. And also how many disorders that are considered to be genetic, that was the most incredible thing for me to hear, most many disorders that are considered to be genetic, in reality, are nutritional deficiency. And of course, in his practice, he demonstrated this over and over again. If you missed the interview, I promise you will not regret if you listen to it. Uh, you can find the last show in the archives of the PRN. Also, last week, I forgot uh, to give out a telephone number to call if you're interested in the incredible healing products that he has developed. In fact, I have been using one of them. The number is in archives, but just in case, let me give it to you now. The number is 1-800-232-0265. Now, two weeks ago, I spoke about worry. Worry is not a mental or emotional disorder. Of course, it depends on the degree of worry. 
if persistent and extreme, it may become a disorder. Something like an anxiety or even can become a panic disorder. I gave you the definition of worry by Merriam-Webster's dictionary, which defines worry as a state of mental distress, agitation, or anxiety resulting from concern for some anticipated misfortune or failure, something that may or may not happen in the future. Many people tend to worry to one degree or another. And it's good not to waste time on these quite harmful emotional journeys. And I provided you with the tools to deal with worry. And today, since we're already on this subject, uh, I want to talk a bit about anxiety, not short-term anxiety, which is a part of worry, but prolonged state of anxiety. By the way, I want to share with you something. Uh, actually, a short-term anxiety, I just experienced two hours ago. I remember I said to you in one of the shows, we're different only in the degree, not in kind. We're all in the same boat. So I want to share with you what, ha what happened today. A big webinar is being recorded by Gary Knoll about the health, economy, and political issues of today. And Gary uh, asked me to talk about stress that people experience these days and how to deal with it. And they send me a Zoom link. And I never use Zoom, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I use Skype all the time to teach classes, to see patients. My daughter tried to teach me how to use Zoom, and I'm kind of technologically challenged, you can call it. Or she said that I'm still living in 20th century. Uh, anyway, exactly at 11, I joined Zoom. You know, I click where they say to click. And at the same time, I'm getting a call. And I thought, you know, somehow they're calling me while I'm calling them. So, so I clicked also to accept the call. Little did I know that the friend was calling me on Skype. And that was uh, what I expect, accepted. And apparently, you cannot use two programs at the same time. One is from Apple, another one is from something else. It just doesn't work. So I hear my friend and I say, Michael, Michael, hi, Michael. And, and uh, uh, Gary and all people, I believe, also have someone by the name Michael. And then they have Jesse. And, they, and so, so many people are talking to me at the same time. I could not understand what was going on. And then I hear Gary's uh, voice. And all we have, they told me, is 20 minutes. And then after this 20 minutes, 10 minutes later, I was supposed to have an hour and a half uh, uh, supervision session with one of my students. And then this, this very show that uh, we have now. And, and I hear all these voices and I don't know what's going on. Fortunately, my friend was, Michael, was um, kind of either smart enough to turn off or understood what was going on and he uh, got offline. And so suddenly now, now I was connected with Zoom. But I was already, I actually, I have to tell you, I felt stressed. I uh, could hear my heart, boom, boom, boom. And I realized that I am a, it's a, such an irony. Mr. Stress Control, Mr. Psychologist, supposed to be talk about stress. We stressed, but 
I want to share with you how I dealt with it because I, I spoke about stress already on this show uh, a while ago. So the moment I recognized that, and by the way, as you're stressed, suddenly, you know, you are disconnected from, from your mind, your norepinephrine hormone is flowing in your brain, and indeed you kind of, uh, uh, you may even lose a track of thought, which, which I did. Now suddenly I hear Gary's voice, he's introducing me, but I don't know, I kind of, I'm diligent, I prepared myself, I knew what I wanted to say. Now I have no idea what I want to talk about, and, but I recognize at that very moment. And so the first thing I did, and I want you now to remember, if you don't remember from the last time we talking, I gently breathed out one time, a long, slow exhalation, completely stopped listening to what Gary was saying, but breathed out slowly, and then I went through three steps that I taught you once. One, decide what is the worst thing uh, that can happen in what, what is like you are stressing about. And the thought came that, you know, that it's, I don't give a good interview. So it's a recorded interview. So Gary will either interview me another time or will choose somebody else to do the interview. There are many people, psychologists, who can talk on the subject, and this is it. So the second, remember, first step, identify what, what it is. Uh, the second uh, step is resolve to live with it. And the third, do everything you can to prevent it from happening, that worst. And once I clearly said it to myself, oh, I felt relief. And this was it. This was it. By the way, I, I got a caller, Carol from New York. So this is the right time for me to pause and see what Carol has to uh, share with us or ask. Carol, are you there? Yes, Dr. Peter, how are you? Yeah, I recognize your voice. You already yes. called about the purpose, right? Yes. Are you the one? I am. Oh, I'm so here. Look, happy to hear from you. So what do you so want to I, say? I, I, I had wanted to call in from last week, but you had a guest uh -huh. to relate to really a dream I had, which I'd had a couple of days before last week's show. Uh, you said a night dream? A night dream, yes. Oh, wonderful. Now, just one second, Carol, be with me, but I want to say something to the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, even though we're talking about stress and we'll continue, but I love when people call sharing with night dreams. In fact, I think I mentioned to you, my hope was that a lot of people will call. It's one of the most important bodies of knowledge for people to acquire. Because the night dreams tell you everything about what's happening in your life now and even give you a blueprint for what is yet to come. So it's super important. I'm happy, Carol, you, you called. Please share with your dream. Thank you, Dr. Peter. So I was um, lying in my bed, looking through my window. It's nighttime. The light is on in my bedroom. I'm looking through my window. My bed is drawn very close, up close to the window. I, I see a crocodile at the window. The crocodile comes through the window, 
climbs onto my bed and crawls, starts crawling over me. There's a door behind my bed. Now, the crocodile didn't, I didn't get the impression that it wanted to harm me. It just came through the window and just seemed to want to go through the door. So it crawls over me. I'm underneath it. I'm, of course, frightened. I'm trying to get from underneath it. I'm not, I didn't feel suffocated, but I was more frightened. I was just trying to get from underneath the crocodile. I'm trying to shout out to anybody who could hear because I wasn't alone, but I didn't have a voice. I just trying to shout out, but nothing would come out. And um, I'm just trying to get from underneath the crocodile. But the crocodile wasn't almost was in paying attention to me. It just seemed as if it wanted, it came through the window and just seemed as if it wanted to go through the door that was behind my bed. And it this just called over whole, me. This is the whole dream? And then of course, I woke up. Okay. And how did you feel? I, I'm sorry, Carol, if you don't mind, yeah. I will be asking you questions, but at the same time, I will be also referring to the audience. That's what I do in classes. When I teach a class, I work with somebody's dream, and at the same time I explain to my students why I ask the question that I ask and what the meaning of each experience that a person has is, okay? So remember, if those of you who read my article on night dreams or heard my interview, what do we do first? We ask a person how they felt upon awakening because it tells us about the whole dream, how they feel about the experience. No matter what we understand from the experience, we know whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, they're worried, they're puzzled, and so on. So, Carol, my question is, when you woke up, what was the feeling? I felt scared. Scared. Okay, make a note. I just, glad, I just felt glad that it was a, a dream, you know, and that. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not, it's not often that the crocodile crawls into your bed. So, okay. So, the second question you ask, and I ask you, what is the location? Where does this dream unfold? Where does it happen? Is it in your, your own home? No, it, it 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 appears to be a bedroom that I occupied about twenty years ago. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, what is the remember, uh, ladies and gentlemen? Why do I ask? What's the location? Because remember, everything that happens in a night dream, including the location, is about where a person is and who a person is at the time of dreaming. So when I ask, what's the location, you see, what came to Carol is a bedroom she occupied 20 years ago. We have to ask a question, why wasn't it the place, remember, it's a dreaming mind, why did the mind not choose the location, the home that she's in right now? Or why wasn't it in a hotel in Paris? Or why wasn't it in China? Who knows? Remember, the mind could choose anything. 
but it chooses location that is reflective of something that is relevant to the dreamer's mind. So, Carol, please tell me, what is the first thought that comes to you about that place where you lived 20 years ago? As opposed to a place where you live now. What's the first thought that comes to you? Don't think too much. No, don't give it thought. Just tell me the first thing, if you're comfortable. It takes me back to... Because the, the place that I was, uh, that bedroom was a very, um, I think, transitional period in my life. I had just gone through a separation. Okay. And um, it was just before I migrated here to the United States. And um, so, yeah, that was, that's what was happening in my life in that bedroom. Yeah. So, so Carol, let's, let me summarize. So the location is a place of transition and separation. Separation is emotional. It's losing, it's separating from someone, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a fun time. Do I understand correctly? No, it wasn't at all. It was a time, too, when I just started going back, um, you know, to get a degree. Um, I was going to doing get trying to get a degree part-time i'd separated from my husband and my son so all of that was happening so that 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 i'm uh, yeah i'm sorry that you had been through this but uh, in a way uh, honestly to say the truth you know when i say sorry i sorry for the pain but not for the experience because we we have to go through experiences that's how we learn in our life yeah. and that's how we grow so if something happened in our life, it means it's meaningful. It probably most of the time this experience is enrich our lives, even if we yeah. don't understand the, at the moment when they're happening, the meaning of them later on, it kind of comes with clarity. Uh, yeah. So, but what going back to the dream, so you are in a place, let's paste it together. You are in a place of loss of separation, of transition and in that place a crocodile comes in now the interesting thing that crocodile comes through a window as opposed through a roof or a door what is a window carol what's the first thought that comes to you about a window you look through a window you see the crocodile came through the window is that right yeah. No? A window is like a new beginning, uh, a new horizon, something. You look okay. out, you look through the window in the distance, and you... Right. And, and what is crocodile to you, as opposed to a lion, as opposed to a squirrel? Remember, uh, even with animals, okay, the animal is coming in, it could be any animal, and your dreaming mind chose something that will be meaningful to you, that only you can interpret. So what's the first thought that comes to you about crocodiles? What kind of animals are they? Well, they are reptiles, and, um, and I always saw, uh, um, I, I, in my mind, a crocodile can only harm me. Right. Um, it wants to devour me, you know. Devour. Um, 
Okay, now we're now we're talking. Now let me again paste it together and and please, if you get some kind of a high experience, if you suddenly something intuitively pops into your mind, please share with me, Carol. So what you are mm-hmm. telling me, remember, the dream is coming uh, to reflect to you something that happened in your life within one to seventy two hours around the time of the dream. So what you are telling me is that something happened in your life and think if it's if it resonates to you, Carol, uh, something happened within one to 72 hours in your life, where you found yourself in a place of transition, possibly in a place of pain. And and something, whatever crawled into your life, something that is capable to devour you to destroy you. And if I continue the, uh, thinking about the narrative of your dream, remember that something that was to devour you actually did not. In fact, you know, even though you were scared, it didn't care. <laughs> it just crawled over you. Yeah. It was yeah. in a way. It's very I interesting because that, me, as if that's, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, I wasn't even there. You just wanted to go somewhere, and you know, yeah. Right. Isn't it interesting that the crocodile was actually going through transition from one place to another. He didn't even care about you, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you tell me now, can you recall anything happening around 1 to 72 hours around this day? Today is, what, September, uh, August 17th? And in the last couple of days, did something happen that kind of emotionally threw you back 20 years? Not, I'm not recalling because, as I said, it it actually happened from your last your show last week, um, a couple of days before your last show. I don't recall anything significant happening. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last few days, nothing happened where you were kind of emotionally in pain, or feeling sorry, or going through transition. No, nothing happened. You cannot recall, correct? Well, I should say um, that has been ongoing for a while. Okay. Th- this feeling that, of that, pain? That, that, that tra- feeling of um, pain and transitioning, it, it it has been, I've been having that feeling even before I had that dream, you know, okay. and it, it has been ongoing for a while. Yeah. For a while, like a few weeks or a few months? few months yeah thank you thank you Sarah Carol for sharing so let me tell you what's going on so it it, it is indeed telling you that this dream came to tell you came to bring it to your attention remember the dream is coming to ring the bell to wake us up to the reality to connect with the reality of something and what it connecting you is to And even though it's been now with you for a couple of months, I would say my, that's my take on it. That you know, you're, you're not every, not too many people call in because I feel many people kind of are, are a little bit scared, a little uncomfortable. But Carol, this is your second call, so your mind knows that you're not afraid to call, and possibly the dream came before this show 
because the, your mind knows that you are able to share and I will be able to work with you on the dream. You understand? Peter, can I say something quickly? Sure. You, you, I wasn't hearing you for a couple, for a few seconds. So I missed some, what you were saying. I okay, missed a couple. What you heard and I will repeat. Uh, you, you are basically saying that I, I, I have the dream for a reason. The last thing I said was that I've been having those thoughts for a couple months now. Okay, Carol, I will repeat. So what I'm saying okay. is that even, even though you were having these feelings for a couple of months, but yeah. it's revisited feelings. You had them 20 years ago, and now yeah. they are back. These feelings are back. And the dream came, in fact, right before the show, because yeah. your mind yeah. knows that you're a courageous woman, that you are capable to make a call and somebody, me, because you know I, I work with dreams, and I will be able to help you out. That's why the dream came. Because the mind, some people ask me, why don't I ever remember my night dreams? I say yeah, because yeah. if you don't attend, if you don't work with your dreams, the dreams, you stop remembering them. Like if they open the Broadway show and nobody goes to the show, they close the show. So, yeah, yeah. but here your mind knew that there is a possibility for the show to be attended because there is someone out there who can help you with the dream. And why okay. was it, why is it important to help you with the dream? Because the dream is reflecting to you all this turmoil that you have been going through for a couple of months. So here is what I will tell you what needs to yeah. be done. Uh, this is not the best place to be in because you, you know this experience. You were in this experience 20 years ago, so now you're just going through it again. The first okay. thing is you have to know that it does get better because, you know, after that 20 years ago, you've been through this uh, transition and pain, and then there were better times. And yeah. now, a few months ago, these feelings resurfaced not necessarily from the past, but from something that is happening in your life right now. Yeah. And your mind wants to address them, to resolve them. There are okay. two ways you, we need to address issues. There is, remember, outside environment, that is mm -hmm. physical world, and there is inside environment, our feelings, emotions, our yeah. inner life. And yeah. so the inner life, through your night dream, was revealed to us now, and that's the turmoil. Yeah. I do not know, and I'm not asking you, we are, you know, on the radio show, there are many people listening, I'm not asking you to share well, what's going on in your everyday life, but what I know is that there is pain, something painful, something unsettling happening. So you need to address it on two levels. You have to make a decision first, how are you going to address it in the physical world? And that is you sit down, the best is if you actually write down. Always it's better to write down what the problem is and what your options are of addressing it. But that's yeah. only addressing through your will, through the outside. It's not enough. You need to address it 
through your inner life. That is to have the strength inside of you to make the right decisions. And that's what you, where you need to make a correction of the dream. Okay. Meaning, I will tell you what to do. Okay? Do you, yes. uh, did you ever read my article on the night dreams? Or, or do you remember how to make a correction? I don't. I haven't gone to your article, Doctor Peter, but I've li- I've been listening listening to you from you started on PRA. Yes. If you remember, I give there a, a way. And you a tic- go, of- go in and you correct the dream you want. You you correct it the way you wanted it to end, right? Right. But remember, let me repeat to you what you do. So yes. you sit down uh, in upright position. You close your eyes. And you say to yourself mentally, I'm doing this exercise with an intention to create safety in my life. Why did I say safety, not something else? Because you felt in this dream very uncomfortable. You felt anxious. You felt scared. Even though this this creature did not want to hurt you. So you know already that your psyche recognizes that whatever is happening in your life that is unsettling, really is not that harmful. Okay, it will not okay. hurt you. You will be okay, Carol. That's what your mind, no, it's I'm not Peter Resnick telling you. I'm That's there. What I'm getting there. That, I'm getting there. I know. Yeah. This creature is not okay. But you want to gain strength. So what you yes. will do is, as you stated the intention uh, to cre- create safety, you yes. imagine. Num- you imagine number five, five turning into four, four becoming three, two, one, zero, zero elongating and becoming an oval, a big mirror. And mirror, you walk over to this mirror, step into the mirror and right back into the dream. But now you already have the will and the power of imagination to make Correct the dream to do to your liking. I, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you can have anything. Remember, in the world of imagination, everything is possible. You can right. capture the, the the crocodile. You can kill him if you want, or he didn't want to kill you. Or you can take him back to where he belongs and let him go. It is yeah. absolutely up to you. The most important Whatever you do, or you can call police, or you can bring him to the zoo, whatever you decide. The most important is that at the end, you want to be victorious. You want to feel safe. You want to feel powerful. And then when the the whole drama is finished, you gently breathe out one time, go back to the mirror, step out of the mirror, see the mirror close into a zero, one, two, three, four, five, open your eyes, and you will feel much better. And your inner experience, that experience of you conquering that fear will be then radiated, reflected in your waking life. And you will find that whatever is bothering you in your waking life, it was re- which was reflected in the night dream, will be diminished day by day. Okay, Carol? Dr. Peter, thank you so much. You are very welcome, and thank you very much for calling. I say every day I choose to. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Keep practicing. Are you practicing other techniques of the will? 
I am doing it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, wonderful, Carol. Thank you so much for calling. Bye bye. Okay, now we had uh, we worked on a dream. Uh, please, ev anybody who is interested in sharing with your night dreams in any future show, except the show where I do an interview, where I interview somebody, uh, then then I give the floor to the person I interview. But otherwise, every other week, no matter on what subject I talk, I will be happy to pause and work on your dream. As you can see, what, what we did with Carol's dream, and it was quite a simple dream, but as you see that that creature the, uh, and that uh, uh, place to where the dream brought her was reflecting something important, and I believe, and it's not only believe, it is, has been my experience. When, when you correct, understand the dream and make a correction, the quality of a person's life is much, much better. So let's go back to speaking about anxiety. Approximately 18% of American population, adult population, that is 40%, 40 million people suffer from some type of anxiety disorder. Let's call it existential anxiety, which at times becomes a person's way of being. And I've met a lot of people like this. Uh, a permanent companion. There is actually a clinical definition uh, of anxiety in DSM-5, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychiatric Disorders. In fact, there is a whole assortment of anxiety disorders there. Experiencing occasional anxiety is a normal part of life. I, I describe to you what I just been through this morning. Okay, but you know, it's I am a little bit more equipped. It's not that I completely avoided having anxiety, but I have the tools. But people with anxiety disorder frequently have intense, excessive and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Any situation, often anxiety disorders involve repeated episodes of sudden feelings of intense anxiety or fear or terror. And sometimes they reach a peak in, in minutes. And that's what is called the panic disorder, panic attack. These feelings of anxiety and panic interfere with people's daily activities and they're difficult to control. Uh, and usually are out of proportion to the actual danger uh, and they can last for a long time. People may avoid places or situations uh, to prevent those feelings because it's absolutely, you know, I described to you, you know, I was started feeling anxious, you know, they, they couldn't be reached, I couldn't reach the people I wanted to, or my heart was pounding. But imagine people going through any, most of the experiences that they have, they want to come out of, the, of their house, they want to talk to people, they want to make a telephone call and feeling this. And so they will uh, limit their world more and more and more. I worked actually with a woman who was so anxious. And again, in the beginning, she had an anxiety attack uh, just because she she was locked. The, the, the train uh, 
for some reason stopped and people couldn't come out uh, and they had to stay for, for half an hour in the train and she started hyperventilating, was very afraid and from that time on was then she was afraid to go to, into a train and then into a bus because the bus may, something may happen and eventually, to make a long story short, she she reduced the amount of things that she did and when she brought was brought to my office, she was afraid actually to be in the room with a stranger. So the door had to be open and she had to see her husband in the waiting room. And that's the only way she could be with another person in the room. That's how small her world became. Thank God uh, she's doing so, so super much better. <laughs> so I, I think sometimes with, like with this woman, the symptom happened as a, as a result of some trauma. There are also reasons why uh, she developed these symptoms and some people who were in the same situation with her did not. And I have my theory and it's called psychological overload. Uh, I don't think it's my own theory. Maybe maybe I read it somewhere, maybe, maybe, but maybe I decided, maybe I give it to another term. But people can deal with so much pressure, so much stress, and at some point it pours out and, and becomes a disorder. So, but sometimes, so in her situation, it happened when she was an adult. Sometimes symptoms start when people are teenagers or, or, or even little children. Uh, there are no two people who are alike. So there are no two identical ways to develop and to experience and to resolve anxiety. Examples of uh, anxiety disorders include generalized anxiety disorder that is like about anything that people do. They just feel anxious even before making a telephone call. Uh, but then there is social anxiety, they call it social phobia. And then specific anxieties like fear of high places, fear of mice, uh, fear of heights fear of getting sick, now this is a big fear these days, uh, anxiety of getting COVID. Uh, and there is separation anxiety. And at times it gets out of control. It, sometimes it's a little bit, and sometimes it becomes really an anxiety disorder. These days a lot of people, I uh, pull me, uh, with fear of getting COVID and either dying or being in the hospital, being separated from those they love and being abandoned, so so much anxiety. Uh, and with COVID, there is this simmering anxiety, uh, and people stay in this state of anxiety. I, I uh, spoke about this particular. Uh, anxiety on December 1st of my very, 2020, my very sh first show, I spoke about um, uh, the, the title of the talk was Living in Times of Uncertainty. Uh, and so my point, and I want to repeat it to you now if some people didn't hear it, uh, we lived in the illusion for many, for a long time, and that illusion 
uh, creates now this huge anxiety that, oh, I will die, COVID, I will get sick. Listen, it, you feel so anxious because you feel before COVID you were safe and now suddenly you are unsafe. Before COVID you were just fine. We all were um, protected or safe or um, there was a sense of security. But that was an illusion because, you know, in 2020, they say 400,000 American people died from COVID, which from what I know is a gross exaggeration. But let's say even if it's true that 40,000 people died, uh, you know, that's, that they died 2020. But every year I choose when I chose randomly 2007, year 2017. In 2017, 250,000 American people, and there are some estimate, uh, estimates of 400,000, but between 250 and 400,000 people died from medical errors, from medication taking as prescribed, or from medical errors. 250 to 400,000 people, almost as much as the, from COVID. 170,000 people died accidental deaths from falling, from poisoning, from um, drowning, from car accidents, 170,000. 800,000 people died from different kinds of cardiovascular disorders that are linked directly to stress. So that is at least at least 1.2 million people died every year and yet the economy was not shut down no government shut down economy um, or shut down the whole country or poured billions of dollars to prevent stress to avoid to help people not to avoid cardiovascular disorders and suddenly we we have this covid and everybody's oh now I'm, I'm going to die no, it's just, yes, possibly COVID increased a small, if you are uh, over the age of 60, 70, of small percent increase in the possibility that something bad will happen. But you had huge chances before that. Until this very day, you live, thank God. And you will live on. You take precautions that you need to take. The rest is in your, not in your hands. The rest is not in your hands. You know, I, I was just speaking to a cancer patient and uh, she went through a number of surgeries and a little bit concerned kind of about life and death issues. And I said to her, look, you've been through all these surgeries, you were diagnosed two years ago and you are fine now. You know, literally you're cancer free. They took out, they had surgery, you're cancer free and you're working on becoming healthier. And in these two years, thousands of people, young people who thought of themselves being immortal, died in car crashes. They didn't expect that. You expected to die. And who is alive? So we never know. There is something beyond what we can know or predict, thank God we cannot know. And uh, so all we can do is do the best we can every day and then pray and know that there is no certainty in anything.
Okay. Okay. So uh, anxiety, anticipatory anxiety, I wanted to mention. Uh, it's a very common anxiety. Uh, people don't know what will happen and begin to make, Dr. Gerald Epstein called it the future talk, making up stories about what may, may not happen. Uh, so, also anxiety is affecting people uh, in in an interesting way through other people. Uh, that is, you are living in a society now that is full of anxiety, and you need to protect yourself from that. The best is if you don't watch so much TV, you don't listen to the numbers, you protect yourself and stay away from toxic television. There was a, a wonderful Dr. Alexander Leaf uh, a while ago already who did a study. Uh, he was studying gerontology with a group of students. He traveled around the world to places where people live long lives. And what he discovered is that the consciousness of community, this psychological state of the people in the community affects not only consciousness of individuals, but physiology of individuals. And in the communities where getting old is enviable, people live longer and healthier lives. And in the communities where uh, people look down at people uh, who, are, who are old, um, people age, even if they biologically live long lives, their mind is not the same, they age much quicker. So we are affected by thoughts and energy of other people. By the way, the, the, the whole idea of energy is a reality. Uh, you can read about it. Our thoughts, uh, our mood, our feelings emit energy, or we'll call it vibration. And this energy is transpatial and transpersonal. It affects other people. So if you don't want to be affected by energy negativity of other people, you have to protect yourself. I will give you now an exercise actually. Um, and, and see for yourself, experiment. Let's say, uh, take the exercise that I will give you and practice it for a little bit. Uh, practice it for three days, for example. You start with this exercise in the morning and then see how your day will be. And you may find that, um, that, that your day is better. If it is, you continue this exercise. So you want to protect yourself from negativity from the outside, and you want to weed out negativity inside. Uh, let me first tell, to, to tell you how to get rid of negativity inside, and then I will give you the protection exercise. You, we have to make decisions of how we're going to live our lives. But once we made decisions, it's important to leave those worrisome thoughts, for example, alone. You made up your mind, then go with your day and live in the is, in the isness of the moment. And if worrisome thoughts do come to your mind, just think of that. Remember, you have no control over worrisome thoughts coming in your mind. 
because the speed of a thought is coming with 150th of a second, so you have no control. But you do have control over what you do once the, the thought comes. So the thought comes the moment you identify that you're worried or you're anxious about something, or it's a future talk, you think of something, what if this happens, what if that happens? Remember, if you give life to it, if you breathe life into that thought, and breathing life into the thought means giving it attention, then it escalates and it makes you more and more anxious. Instead, once you identify that you have worrisome thought or anxiety thought, you go, boom, you blow it up. Imagine it's like a bubble and boom, it blows up. This is it. And go right back to the moment of the now. And if you still feel unsettled, if, if at all, the anxiety is already in the body, remember anxiety, the root of the word anxiety is angst, which means to choke. So then if you still feel it in the body, you slowly, with your open mouth, breathe out. Breathe in through your nose, slowly push air out, breathe out in, slowly out, and after uh, half a minute, you may find that you're much better. So let's do now the exercise of protection. And you do it, I recommend, in the morning, every morning when you rise. You, you sit up and close your eyes and say to yourself mentally, I'm doing this exercise with the intention to keep myself safe. And think or imagine a beam, beam of white light moving out of your chest. And as it moves out, about one foot, one and a half feet beyond your body, it curves to the right, making a complete circle around your body. So now you're encircled in a circle of white light. So now breathe out and see this circle expanding up and down, creating a cocoon of white light surrounding you. And see now all the particles, dust, pollen, or negativity of other people bouncing off the edges of the cocoon as if the cocoon was made of rubber. Feel and see yourself happy and at ease inside of the cocoon. Then gently breathe out one time and open your eyes. That's all. Now let me introduce to you a, a couple of other methods. Most of them are phenomenological, meaning you're dealing with what is rather than trying to understand why it's happening. It's much more productive because you may never know why. You know, it could be genetic, psychogenetic from previous life, who cares? What matters is what you do with it now. Uh, this one is described by psychiatrist Dr. David Hawkins, the process or to surrender, of surrendering uh, to the experience. First is to allow, let's say you feel, have a disquieting experience of anxiety. Or it can be uh, something else. But first is to allow yourself to have the feeling without resisting it, without venting it. 
without trying to tell someone, without fearing it or condemning it or moralizing about it. People say, oh, no, no, I should relax. I shouldn't feel this. No, just feel it. And remember, when you feel it, you feel it in the body. Just feel it. And what you will find is you think that any feeling has its own energy. Just like you know a battery, you can use up the battery and then there is no energy in the battery. So if you stay and breathe, stay with that feeling, whether it's anxiety or even anger, don't try to diminish it, but just feel it. Don't try to think I shouldn't be angry at this person or it doesn't make sense. No, just feel the feeling. Again, it's still in the body. Feel the experience. And what will happen? The energy of it eventually runs out, unless you keep recharging it with your thoughts. And given time, it will diminish in intensity and disappear. When you give up resisting or trying to modify your feelings, you will shift to the next feeling. And the feeling may be a fear of, or concern about something or, or guilt. And you're trying, that anxiety is trying to move you away from that feeling of guilt. Whatever feeling, what you will find, and then that guilt comes, and you may become aware that what that guilt is about. And that's also fine. Stay in it, and that will also go away. And then you open your eyes. And now let me give you another exercise uh, um, uh, for anticipatory anxiety. But it's a mental imagery exercise, not the experiencing that was more kind of a Buddhist approach, but uh, an imagery exercise. Anxiety of dealing with certain people or circumstances. Close your eyes and breathe out gently, long, slow exhalations, nice and easy inhalations. Breathing out twice as slow as breathing in. And see yourself with the person or in the situation that makes you uncomfortable. Now focus on your heart and see your heart expanding, the physical heart expanding, and then the energy of the heart expanding. And feel the love of your heart expanding and moving in all directions, in whatever way it comes. And now feel the love surrounding the other person or the situation. When ready, open your eyes. One more exercise for the anxiety, and this is a physical exercise. Uh, if you feel, if you are not with people, uh, and you can do it, and I suggest again you do it 
uh, you can even go to the bathroom and do it. And it totally harmonizes your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, uh, relaxes you mentally and physically. And that is you lift your arms in a shape like a V, you know, lift your arms uh, in a V shape. And you begin with straight arms, begin to shake your wrists, flapping them back and forth, flapping them back and forth. Uh, around two minutes, two minutes, if you count and do it fast, you will find that like around 200 times you will be able to flap your, your, your um, wrists with your hands. And after that, you will have, you may even feel a little bit uh, sleepy. Um, it relaxes you so much. Try out this exercise. I find that I gave it to many, many people, and a lot of people benefited from it. From it. So remember that mental exercise, you either stay through the experience without judgment, or you imagine that you expand your heart and embrace with your love whatever situation is challenging. And physically, you, you breathe out gently and breathe in normally, breathing out twice as slow as breathing in, or the other one is flapping your hands with your hands being extended. And now that our time, they show me that uh, a minute is left, so I have to wrap up. I hope that I will hear, have your attention next week on Tuesday. And I want to thank you for being with me today. Peace to all who want to live in peace.